Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Well, it's already been a great day, hasn't it, church? And it's just going to get better from here. I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1 as we dive into the Christmas season and a new series entitled The Miracle of Christmas. So excited to take this journey with you because Christmas is the story of God's miraculous arrival and intervention in our lives. It's a reminder. Christmas is a reminder of God's miracles. It's a reminder of the big miracle of his arrival, but also all the the millions of little miracles of his daily concern. And although we sometimes fail to realize his wonderful, his amazing grace in the moment, God still does miracles. And so we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. I want to start at verse 5, and it reads... And I'm going to give you kind of a lengthy portion of Scripture today. So um, probably about 18 or 19 verses. But this is a backdrop of the miracle of Christmas. So I'm going to start again at verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And he had a wife, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Verse 8, now while he was, now while Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the customs of the priesthood, he was chosen to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Let's skip down to verse 11. And while he's in burning incense, it says... There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 13, And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now this is good news. Gabriel is bringing good, great news to Zechariah and to Elizabeth and, uh, and really putting them on notice of a pending miracle. There's a miracle on the way. And this, this story really sets the stage for the next miracle, and that is Mary's conception, Joseph and Mary, and the birth of Jesus. So really, this prepares the way as John's ministry is to prepare the way for the Messiah. And uh, so this is notice of a pending miracle that they will have a son. And remember, they're not, they, up to this point, they have not had a child because, number one, Elizabeth was barren. And number two, they were advanced in years. And what we're seeing here is not just a, a miracle baby, but a miracle mandate, a, a miraculous mission and a mandate on the life of this baby. Look at verse 17. It says, And he, this baby, will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's the the mandate and the mission on his life. And Zechariah responds and he says, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I 
am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. He's saying this is straight from the throne room of heaven that God has a miraculous uh, uh, provision and promise for your life. And there's a mandate that in the midst of all this, God is working his purposes. And, and it says in verse 22, and when he came out of the temple, Zechariah was unable to speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after the, those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. I love this passage because this really kicks off the story, the miracle story of Christmas. And, and as, as we just read, we're reading about the miracle of life, right? This baby is promised. We're reading about a miracle mandate on the, the purposes of God for this baby. And we're reading about the miracle of the Messiah because he's preparing the way of the Lord. So this is the miracle of Christmas. And, and as we jump into this, and as you heard these verses read today, I hope there are tremors of joy beginning in your, lo beginning in your life and just beginning to shake and erupt and agitate and, and percolate. Joy because uh, God isn't done yet. Joy because God is not against you. God is for you. Joy because God sees you and he knows you and God hasn't forgotten you. And, and joy because he, he's undefeated. God is undefeated and there's nothing he can't handle. And the miracle of Christmas that we're reading about, it's the ultimate miracle of his arrival. But there's millions of miracles that spring from the birth of Jesus. Millions of blessings, millions of testimonies, millions of healings and hearts revived and lives renewed. Millions of people. Come on. You see them and, and you can hear them and touch them. And these are miracles. But Let's be honest, sometimes the miracle is in what didn't happen. Sometimes we find God's miracles in what didn't take place. Sometimes you need to thank God for what didn't happen. Maybe the job you didn't get because the company went bankrupt after a couple of years. You know, the promotion you didn't get because it would have detoured you from God's promotion of where you are now. The relationship that didn't work out. Come on, anybody have some of those? That it's a miracle that that relationship, that was God that it didn't work out because it would have destroyed you. He, wasn't, he, he just wasn't equally yoked with you and ultimately it would have devastated you. Come on, the times uh, that, that we see miracles, sometimes they're right in our face, but sometimes it's the things that didn't happen. That those are the types of miracles that an all-knowing God who sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, he can see those coming miracles you didn't even know happened. And even now, some of us are thinking, you know, what miracles? You know, you're thinking about your own life and you're, you're, you're wondering, what are the miracles that have happened in my life? And we look at our current situation and maybe we see it as common. Uh, but, it, but it's because it, the current situation, it's because sometimes we forget the miraculous in the everyday. We forget the miraculous in the everyday wonders that got us here. You know, sometimes it, my marriage isn't perfect but you're married. And every marriage I know is in process. Stay in the process, do it God's way, forgive often, fight fair, right? You can make it better. Your marriage can get better and you're married. Others are looking for the miracle of marriage, right? My kids are difficult, but you have kids. My job isn't easy, 
but you have a job. My house needs repairs, but you have a house spiritually. You might feel, oh, I'm confused or I'm tired or I'm worn out, but you're alive spiritually. You've got faith and the faith we have has never been in the strength of how we believe, but in who we believe. So sometimes miracles, it's what doesn't happen. Sometimes we can't see it. And sometimes we just get too acquainted and familiar with the miraculous everyday things that God has done in our lives. Shakespeare famously said one time, he said, I cried when I had no shoes, but I stopped crying when I saw a man without legs. He said, I, I used to cry when I didn't have shoes, but, but then I saw that I'm living in a blessing. I'm living a life full of blessing and miracles that perhaps I need to value. Perhaps I need to remind myself, you know, that's, that's Acts 17 talks about how it's in him we live. It's in him we move. It's in him that we have our being. How about the miracle of being alive? Being alive? As simple as that. You're breathing. You're thinking. Some of us are thinking better than others, but we're all doing our best to think. And, and we're feeling and we're loving and we're losing, but, but we're alive. And here's a miracle. God, here's a miracle right now for you. God is speaking to you. And he's showing you how to live a life that brings glory to his name and joy to people's lives. God is speaking to you. That's a miracle. So our title of our discussion today, if you like titles, it's the miracle of God's glorious purpose. The miracle of God's glorious purpose. And if you like a subtitle, this is my subtitle for this. The miracle of God's glorious purpose. And I get a part to play. God has purpose. And I get to experience the miracle of God's purpose because God's given me a part to play. You, he's given you a part to play. His church, he's given his church a great big part to play, right? The miracle of God's invitation for me is I have a part to play in his purpose. So our text today finds Zechariah and Elizabeth um, experiencing the miracle of God's purpose. And two things that stand out to me I want to highlight out of this passage today. I hope it gets you ready to dive into the miracle of God's purpose and experience it. And, and the first one is this. The miracle of God's purpose is God shows up when I serve others. God shows up when I serve others. You know, it's easy during Christmas time just to, to get... Uh, you know, fixated on what we want or what we want to do or how we want to celebrate or what's going on in our own world. But there's a lot of need. And there's a lot of people that are just waiting for that, that, that intervention, waiting for that gift, waiting for that encouragement, waiting for that financial help, just waiting. And Heather and I used to do this thing where we would just surprise a pastor, um, a pastor's kids and we would just send them a bunch of gifts. And we'd pick different pastors and they would just get a box of all these gifts just to say, we know you're out there working hard. We know that you're loving God's people and uh, you're loving God's children and somebody believes in your children too. And we just send them a bunch of gifts just to say, really, it was, it was for them. But we, we always got so much more out of it because we got to be part of God's purpose and, and serving in any way we could. And that was just a small way, just a very small way. Uh, but God shows up when we serve others, and we see this in Zechariah's life. Uh, because you, you look at this passage, and you can wonder, why does God choose Zechariah and Elizabeth? Now, we'll see next week, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've got some uh, famous family members. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. And so Elizabeth and Mary end up being pregnant at the same time, and there's an exchange. Actually, uh, while both women are pregnant, that one 
uh, baby in the womb reacts and, and jumps uh, at the sound of the greeting from Mary. And so uh, we've, we're, we're looking at this story and wondering, how, why does God choose Zechariah and Elizabeth? After all, Zechariah is advanced in years. Uh, Elizabeth is barren. Sure, there were, I, I would imagine there were younger priests that God could have chosen, but yet God chooses Zechariah. And in verse 8 and 9 um, of our text, he gives us some insight on what catches God's eye. And I want to read it to you. Verse 8 and verse 9, it says, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, it says there that he was serving while his division was on duty. He's serving. He's serving. Zechariah is serving. That is the context and the backdrop of this incredible miracle that is unfolding in the text that we just read. He, he's showing up. Zechariah is serving week after week, year after year. And, and I have to think, I imagine you, you would agree, as he served in the temple year after year, as he and his wife longed for a child, that maybe he had prayed about this topic before. Remember, his, his job, his duty is working in the temple, in and out, and, and serving people and interacting, and, and he's in the presence of God in the midst of this. I would think he's probably prayed about this topic before. Lord, how about a son? Lord, how about a child? And, and, and yet nothing. And now it's gone on so long, it says they're too old, they're too advanced in years. And I wonder, how many prayers has he prayed for himself that went unanswered? And then I wonder this, how many prayers has he prayed for others? People who came into the temple, people who said, priest, will you help me? Priest, will you pray for me? And how many people has he prayed for and watched their prayers be answered? Years of watching others rejoice in God coming through for them while his heart's desire remains unattended. Serving when it seems like no one knows. Serving when it seems like no one notices. Serving when you yourself need to be served. See, we, we sometimes put God on a clock. We give him deadlines. We make our excuses. But here's to, the, here's to the truth. God's invitation into his glorious purpose, the miraculous glorious purpose, it, it not only provides for others, in it God also provides for us. Do you hear me? God provides for you even when you're serving others. Zechariah is, is noticed in the midst of serving. Gabriel himself comes to deliver the news, you will have a son. And I can't help but wonder, what if Zechariah was, what if he called in sick that day? You know, what if he gave up? What if he retired early? What if he got bitter? What if he checked out? What if it was not, what if he was not at his post or, or not on duty that day? Come on, I want to encourage you today. Keep going. Can you do it? Come on, keep walking, keep worshiping, keep believing. And keep serving. God's glorious purpose, it involves you and I serving people. Taking our eyes off ourselves, our own needs, sometimes it's, it's, it can be hard. It can be difficult, right? It can be very challenging. But Zechariah kept serving. Come on, you can keep serving. I can keep serving. There's moments in the last year or two, Heather and I have looked at each other and said, can we stop serving? Is it time for us to stop serving? It, it would be easier it, in our own eyes, we think, if maybe we just took some time out and took some time off. But there's a miracle of God's grace when you stay engaged with his glorious purpose. I want to tell you, you will be strengthened. You will be enabled. God meets us 
while we're meeting the needs of others. And that is a truth you will not be able to escape. God meets you while you're meeting the needs of others. And look what God says through Gabriel uh, in verse 17. We read it a moment ago. He says, and your son, he says, Zechariah, your son will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, that's, that's the long-awaited promise for, for all of creation, the Messiah. When will the Messiah come? And at last, it's happening. And at the same time, the long-awaited desired son for Zechariah and Elizabeth was happening. Do you know that? That tells me, you know, what that tells me about the miraculous and glorious purposes of God is that God's glorious purpose is, is really to fulfill his promise to the whole world, but also to your personal world. God's going to fulfill his glorious promise to the whole world, but also to your personal world. Come on, I hope that encourages you today. God shows up when I serve others, so we're going to keep serving people. And number two, the second thing I see in our passage today is, and it's the miracle of God's purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, is that God shows up even when my faith and my performance isn't perfect. God shows up even when my faith or my performance isn't perfect. This is very encouraging to me. I hope, I hope you catch this. Zechariah's response is, is a little, um, it's a little surprising. It's one of disbelief. I mean, this is a, a priest. He knows the Bible. He knows the word of God. He knows the Old Testament prophecies. He knows what God can do. He's in the temple every day. And yet his response is one of unbelief. And you might think he, he should know better, but have you ever been in a place where you know better, but you can't act better? You know better, but you don't respond better. And that's the reaction that Zechariah has in verse 18. He says, how can I be sure and how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He, he, he's, he's not being unreasonable, so he's following the science. But sometimes you have to follow your Savior who speaks those things that are not as though they are. But his response in this moment is completely understandable uh, that that you know, as a priest who knows God's temple and knows the scriptures, yet he had trouble believing God. And, and I think we too often, we respond like Zechariah. And, and look what God says in response in verse 20. Zechariah says, hey, this can't happen. It's too late. And in verse 20, God responds, behold, you will be silent until, and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. He says, you're not going to talk anymore. You're not going to have the capacity to speak anymore because you did not believe my word, but it will be fulfilled in their time. And you might look at that and think, well, that, that's, um, that's unfair. That's unfair. After all, God chose Zechariah and uh, God knew where he was at in his heart and now he won't let him speak. I, I don't know if it is unfair. After all, God knows Zechariah. He, not only did he choose Zechariah, he knows Zechariah. He knows what he might be capable of. So in verse 20, it seems like God is rescuing Zechariah from himself when he says, you're not going to talk anymore. Verse 20, you're not going to, you're not going to talk anymore. And, and I think that is saving Zechariah from himself because we know as we read, even in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says the power of life and death is in the words that you and I speak. And if you speak, 
you're going to get its fruit. That's what Proverbs 18.21 tells us. So what you say, the power of your own tongue, can speak life to the deal or death to the deal. That's what the Bible says. God says, we're going to go ahead, and in verse 20, he says, we're just going to go ahead and make sure that your unbelief doesn't derail my purposes for your life. You're just going to be silent for a little bit, right? And, and I would call that the miracle of mercy. You know, the miracle of mercy is not getting what I actually deserve. That's what mercy is. You understand there's a difference between grace and mercy. We usually say them like they're synonymous, but grace is getting what I don't deserve and could never earn. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. And in this moment of, of mercy, he says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve for your unbelief. And I, in fact, I'm going to help you so that you don't derail my purposes. And it's another miracle. It's a miracle of mercy. I met a couple recently and they were in their uh, first pregnancy. And um, I, I had just met them, uh, just met them. And I congratulated them um, on the pregnancy and just said, you know, my wife and I, we have four kids. We love it. It's great. To which the man replied, our pregnancy is a huge mistake. That's what he said in front of his wife, in front of me, and in front of his baby. And he actually threw in a curse word there, so I, I, expletive was deleted for, for your benefit and mine. But this, this, he said, this is a huge mistake. And actually used a curse word, cursing his unborn child and the fact that they're pregnant. Now, I get that people get overwhelmed, especially new parents. Uh, but some of us could really benefit from being silent and unable to speak so God can go ahead and fulfill his words in their time without us speaking death to them. Remember what James 3 says. Now, listen, James 3, it's a key to life. It says, uh, verse 3 says, we, we make a horse go wherever we want it to go by a small bit in its mouth. It says, we turn its whole body by this small bit. And verse four says, uh, sailing ships are driven, ships are driven by strong winds, but a small rudder turns the largest ship whatever way the man at the wheel wants the ship to go. And then it says this, it, it brings it all together, verse five. It says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it can speak big, big things. Come on, big, big things. So maybe... If, if I'm taking Zechariah's life as an example, if I'm not ready to believe, maybe it's best to stay silent. You know, if I can't say amen, maybe I should stay silent. Or even better, say what Mary did uh, later on in this chapter. Let it be to me according to your word. God, you have uh, uh, the miracle of your glorious purpose is going to involve many millions of little miracles. God, do some in my life every day filled with miracles every day filled with blessing. Because when God is in it, late is somehow on time. And little is somehow enough. And loss is somehow in the long game, it's gain. Don't let what was once a miracle become ordinary. Don't lose the awe of what God has done. Every chance you get, remember what God has done in your life. Choose to be grateful at the wonderful, miraculous intervention of God in your life. And know this, he's the same God now. Come on, we've been singing it for weeks. He's the same God now that he's always been. He's done it before and he will do it again. And so our text today, it encourages me. And I'll bring it to this final thought. This text encourages me because despite 
our best attempts, there, there's going to be times where we respond like Zechariah, isn't there? There's going to be times that you and I, you know, the purposes of God and the part that we're being asked to play, they just, they just seem too big for us. Or, or maybe they seem too much for us or, or beyond us or just miraculous and we can't even get our head around it. But what's encouraging here is even though Zechariah did not believe, God did not change his mind. Man, I love that even though Zechariah didn't believe, God did not disqualify him. God didn't change his mind just because Zechariah couldn't get his mind wrapped around this miraculous moment. And it just reminds me of that line from the Count of Monte Cristo where uh, the, the uh, hero says, I don't believe in God anymore, he, he tells the priest. To which the priest replied, it doesn't matter. He still believes in you. See, God hasn't changed his mind about you. God hasn't changed uh, about his mind about involving you in his glorious, miraculous purposes. Experience the miracle. Come on, keep serving God's people. Keep serving, keep serving. Experience the miracle and keep believing and taking God at his word. And most importantly, keep receiving God's forgiveness. Keep receiving his mercy. I didn't get what I deserve. It's a miracle. Keep receiving his grace. I got what I never could have earned. It's a miracle. Daily reminding yourself, I've been forgiven by God. This is the miracle of miracles. You know, a few years ago, I was at a restaurant and a, and a complete stranger paid for my meal. And I, I looked around the restaurant when, the, when I was notified by the the wait staff that my bill had been paid. And I, I looked around and I, I didn't know anybody in the restaurant. So there was really nothing I could do. I, uh, you know, I, I could, I guess I could have insisted on paying, uh, but that would have been pointless. All I could do was believe what the waiter was telling me, that it was actually true. And then just live in the reality of that truth. My bill was paid. Just live in it, accept it, which meant uh, getting up from the table and leaving the bill behind. My choice was live like it was true or create a false reality where the bill was not paid and I had to pay. See, receiving the miracle of God's forgiveness, it, it's the same thing. If God is the creator of the universe, then he gets to say paid in full. He gets to say, I choose this one, no matter how old. I, I choose this one, no matter how young. I choose this one. Even if the world has called you fruitless or barren or, 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 or whatever the tags and, and the names and the titles that you've uh, been saddled with throughout your life, God gets to say, even if you doubted, like he did with Zechariah, even if you doubted, I'm still gonna do it. And you still get to be involved in it. See, it's, it's time to live like it's true. Many think in order to be godly or to, to come into church and kind of get back on track, you have to insist on paying the bill, right? You, you've got to work. You've got to strive. You've got to strain. you got to, I was even asked recently, like, how much money do I have to give for this to, and I thought, this, these, these are not connected. <laughs> your worship and giving and generosity is not connected to your salvation. You need to know that. You can't pay for it, you can't work for it, you can't strive for it, you can't strain for it, you can't good works it enough. But many think in order to, to be godly, you have to insist on paying. But really, all you need to do is believe what God said was true and then live in it and leave the bill behind.
Come on, that's good news. That's a miracle. That's why it says in Acts, repent and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. And I love how Hebrews adds, um, the author of Hebrews says, and I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I won't remember them anymore. And if that's for you, I wanna pray with you right now. I wanna pray for the miracle of God's glorious purpose. Maybe we're serving, maybe we're weary in serving. Maybe we're believing God, maybe we're doubting what he said. Wherever you are in the process of life, God says, I have a plan for you and I haven't changed my mind, paid in full, and it all starts today with a simple prayer. So I'm gonna pray this right now over you and then I'm gonna invite you to, to repeat a prayer after me. So uh, in this holy moment together, uh, Father, we just ask right now and we declare that you are Lord. We believe that Jesus was born, lived, crucified, and rose from the dead. We, we receive your forgiveness by faith. We receive the full pardon you've given us and offered us. Our sins blotted out, our deeds remembered no more. Now I wanna invite you to repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I need the miracle of your forgiveness. I need the miracle of your purpose. So I invite you right now into my life. I surrender to you and I wanna live for you. Now say this boldly, I am a Christian. By grace I'm saved. It's a gift I receive for free, not because of my efforts, but because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Come on, in Jesus' name, say amen, amen. I'm